is Moose's Mulligan. Setting up the screen for Elliott with blocking. Huge play. Elliott into Steeler territory. Down the sideline. And in for the touchdown. No flags. 83 yards for the rookie combination of Prescott to Elliott. Now here's your host, Alex Dreisick. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Alex Streisak. Greetings and salutations. That opening audio clip brought to you free special delivery by Bonzo Postal and Imaging. Go to bonzopi.com for more information. Bonzo Postal and Imaging. Give your home business a real business address. And that opening audio clip was an 83-yard screen pass to Ezekiel Elliott against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And sorry, Cowboys fans, but you're going to have to get used to not having Ezekiel Elliott for six weeks of the regular season here. Actually, seven. The Cowboys' bye week is week six. So he'll miss seven weeks and six games. To read on what I think is the full extent of the Ezekiel Elliott situation and what results will come from this, go to our official website, alexanderstryzak.wixsite.com slash moosesmulligans and read our latest article titled The Zeke Effect on the NFC East. Got a great show for you this week. We're going to give you another NFL preview. And then there's a fan question I want to make sure we get to this week that we'll answer later in the show. But first we're going to talk about what's going on with Colin Kaepernick and what's going on in the news headlines with him this week. Alright, the first thing I want to do with Colin Kaepernick is we're going to look at the best available quarterbacks out there too. Uh, I'd see Robert Griffin III, Johnny Manziel, and Austin Davis. And I think Kaepernick is better than these, so he's the best available quarterback right now. The topic that's been hitting the news now is that Spike Lee is organizing a protest of the NFL until Kaepernick is picked up by a team. The poster for it says, United We Stand, Rally for Kaepernick. And it has the date and time to show up to the NFL headquarters for this. Ironically, Kaepernick is on a knee in the picture, and the poster says stand for him, but I won't get into that. Now let's look at this one step at a time. Colin Kaepernick expresses American rights, wearing the pig socks and Fidel Castro shirt. Spike Lee used his American rights to organize a protest on the NFL until Kaepernick is hired as a quarterback. All these protests have been peaceful. I have no problem with them expressing their right to protest. However, we also need to look at this from the owner's perspective. The NFL owners are using their American right to decide who they want to hire to work for their organization. So they're exercising their right as owners of their business and workplace. And we have a problem with that? Doesn't that contradict what you're trying to harp on with freedom of speech and choice when you, you're trying to force a decision on someone? You're entitled to express your feelings, but it doesn't mean you're going to get your way. It's a beautiful and American thing to see Colin Kaepernick express his feelings and opinions, knowing the consequences that could follow. You knew the job was dangerous when you took it, Fred. Also, 
it's great to see other people support him in his, in his expressions, like Spike Lee. But perhaps the greatest American thing of all is the free market. We have freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and ideally we'd have the freedom of market, the free market system. This free market for the owners is being affected by these protests in a very negative way. And owners don't like negative effects because it means they're going to lose money in their market. It's not show friends, it's show business. So, let's look at the stats on this. Since 2014, the viewership on the NFL is down 11%. There's a poll of 1,000 American adults done, and 32% of them were less likely to watch a sporting event if a player was to take a stand and protest the national anthem. And then in 2016, NFL viewership saw an average drop of 8%. About 1.4 million less people were watching then. And that's 1.4 million less people per week watching football. So ask yourself, if you owned a Walmart store and people told you that 11% of your customers have said they found your parking lot greeter to be rude and they won't shop in your store because of it, would you rehire him? Or would you find another parking lot greeter? We're going to take a quick pause here, and when we come back to Moose's Mulligans, we're going to preview the NFC South and the AFC South. And then there's a fan question I wanted to get to, and we're going to bring in Ben Huff to answer this fan question. All coming up next on Moose's Mulligans. This is your favorite sports podcast on the official Moose's Mulligans website. Wow, this is nice. Now back to your host, Alex Streisnick. Back here on Moose's Mulligans, I want to get to a fan question about Kobe and LeBron, but first we're going to do a quick NFL preview of the NFC South and the AFC South. So let's start with the NFC South. You know, the Falcons are still in this division, so I still think they're the best team in this division. With Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, Austin Hooper, all catching passes from MVP Matt Ryan, they look solid. Also, both having Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman helps a lot. They added Alex Mack and Andy Livetre to their offensive line. They're looking about a top 10 offensive line right now to me. Defensively, they're much better than they've been in the past. And adding Brooks Reed and Dontari Poe should definitely continue this trend. This team, I think, only has one real threat this year, and it's Tampa Bay in their division. Yes, Drew Brees is still on the Saints, and Michael Thomas is an emerging star. But adding Adrian Peterson I don't think is enough to help, especially with how their defense is played. And they have a talented offensive line, but it always seems to get hurt. Let's take a look at those Buccaneers, though, because they're my dark horse in this division. Winston to Evans has been a solid connection, and now you add Deshaun Jackson to the mix. J.R. Sweezy comes from Seattle to help on the line a little. However, their offensive line is still not very good in my opinion. Defense is definitely their strong point in my mind with Kwan Alexander, Levante David, and now they're adding Robert Ayers, J.J. Wilcox, Brett Grimes, and Chris Baker to it. And I'm not saying they have enough to win the division from the Falcons, but they definitely can compete for a wildcard spot. And then the last team in this division is the Carolina Panthers, and a lot of people 
are expecting a revival and come back from the dead here for the Panthers after their Super Bowl hangover. They're kind of hoping the Falcons catch. They knew that Newton needed help on the offensive line, so they uh, signed Matt Khalil, and now he can play with his brother. They drafted Taylor Moten, and they're hoping he can make an immediate impact. But to me, they're still middle-of-the-line, middle-of-the-road, offensive line. They still have Greg Olson and added Christian McCaffrey to try to solidify their running back position. Defensively, they need Keekley to stay healthy, or else, well, we saw what happened last year. So new joiners are Kurt Coleman and Mike Adams, who will try to pick up the slack in that safety position. But I still don't think this team has the tools. I just think with the Falcons still good and an improved Buccaneers, it's going to be too hard to get out of that basement. All right, let's take a look at the AFC South now. And I think this division is a lot better than people think. Let's start with who I actually think is the best team in this division, the Tennessee Titans. I don't really think they should be a dark horse, but not many people are talking about them now, so I guess they are. Their offensive line of Conklin, Klein, Jones, Spain, and Lawan is the best in the league, I think. They have a great young quarterback, Marcus Mariota. They have two very good running backs in DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Also, they add young receivers Corey Davis and Tajay Sharp if he comes off his injury, with veteran receivers Rashard Matthews, Eric Decker, and Harry Douglas. Now you've got the most underrated offense in the league, I think. Defensively, adding Brian Arapko will be interesting, plus they reloaded almost their entire secondary, which will be interesting to see. The team I think that'll be right with them the whole way is the Houston Texans. Love the addition of Deshaun Watson in the system. I hope they play him right away. Lamar Miller will need to step up, though, this year to protect him, and he won't get much help from his offensive line that looks a little weak to me. But it is nice that they still have Hopkins, Fuller, and Miller together on the receiving core. Defensively, they're going to need J.J. Watt in this lineup if they want to make a push. They still have Cushing, Merciless, and McKinney to help out, but the big key will be Clowney and Watt on the line staying healthy. Now, the Jaguars are my team that look like they should be good, and I always want to pick them in this division race. But with Bortles struggling and a middle-of-the-road offensive line, we'll see what they can do. Their receiving core, I still like it. I still think it's solid, and their defense has some serious firepower with now Telvin Smith, Plesniewski, and you add in Barry Church. However, this team always seems to disappoint me, so I don't see them making much of a threat in this division. Lastly, the Colts. I think they have the worst record in the NFL if Luck continues to have shoulder problems. It's going to take a lot of effort to take that first pick away from the Jets, but if Luck's out, the Colts' weaker offensive line and aging running back with a lackluster defense will really show, and they can make a big push for the first pick next year. But again, I'm super excited to see what the Tennessee Titans do this year. I have big hopes for them. All right, we have just enough time for that question a lot of you were asking about this week. So Michael Jordan restated what he had said before and that he would rather start a franchise with Kobe Bryant over LeBron James. So we've been getting a lot of viewer questions about this, and I thought we'd talk about it real quick. So here to talk about is our NBA expert, Ben Huff, and I'll let you take the ball first. Who would you rather start with, Kobe or LeBron, and why? I'm going with Kobe. Um, I think Kobe is better than LeBron. Uh, there's many reasons why I think of that. He's got that Mamba mentality. Uh, that killer instinct of I'm going to prove I'm better than you and I'm going to just do it right in your face. Um, he's got that mental and physical toughness. He's played for years and years with injuries. He shot two free throws and made them with the torn Achilles. Um, he's done a lot of things uh, injured and he just really proves his toughness. And I really think he's an underrated defender. 
he's actually a 12-time All-NBA defensive team, uh, nine first on the first team and three years on the second team. Um, and that's tied for all all time with Jordan, Gary Payton, and Kevin, Gar- uh, Kevin Garnett, who are all very great defenders, who are very well known as great defenders. And also that ball hog reference that, you know, we all say or like to joke about, and that's really, really overstated because uh, Kobe's 29th on the all-time assist list, which is actually the highest for all shooting guards ever. So we all think that Kobe's just a shooter, but he also played in a time where the point guard was just a facilitator instead of a scorer. So we have to view it at that point. There's no Russell Westbrook back in the day. Um, so that ball hog reference is really, really overstated. Yeah, and I, I want to bring up a few stats. I'm a stats guy, baseball guy. So that is where I give Kobe, I, I give it to him. You know, he's made nine all-defensive first teams. LeBron's made five so far. But I look at it, LeBron's a four-time league MVP. Kobe's a one-time MVP. And they're both already tied at 11 All-NBA first teams. And when, when you just scroll down the stats, and, you know, in regular season, LeBron's 27.1 points per game, which is 2.1 more than Kobe. He averages about two more rebounds per game, almost three more assists. And then there's this clutch question that comes in about LeBron in the playoffs versus Kobe. But in the playoffs, LeBron actually averages 2.8 more points per game than Kobe. He averages 3.8 more rebounds per game and 2.2 more assists per game. To me, it's no contest. LeBron, I'd rather start my franchise with because, to me, he gives my team the best opportunity to score the the most points, which is what matters in basketball. Well, I see where you come from with all the stats. Stats are great. But, you know, and coming up with a clutch, LeBron is actually understated. But Kobe, in in the clutch, has been amazing, especially in that game four of the 2000 NBA Finals. Without that game four, without that overtime win, without Kobe, they probably don't win that first championship. Right. So Shaq played a great, great, great series. Yeah. If if you want clutch shots, then you know Big Shot Rob, Robert Ory is better than all of them, and you know Chauncey Billups, Mr. Big Shot. But what really gets me on the clutch shots alone, I can't look at, is because like Ory shot 36 percent from the field in all his playoff games, and Billups barely over 30 percent. Kobe shot an amazing 44.8 percent in his playoff games. LeBron sh- shoots 48.5% in playoff games. So it's just, when I, look at, when I look at this, LeBron will get your team there even when they don't deserve to be. We can't just look at one stat for clutch shots in my mind because there's going to be over 100 points scored usually in a basketball game between each team, and I want the player that gives himself and the entire team the most opportunities to score. And the stat really doesn't show the amount of defense, which Kobe plays good defense and LeBron plays good defense. It's, it's more just that last-second shot, and that stat doesn't say how many game-winning blocks or game-winning steals they had. So when I look back at those per-game playoff numbers, I'd, I'd rather have LeBron the whole game, even if it means I have him at the end with the killer instinct of well, Kobe. I'd rather have LeBron because he dominates all those stats to create opportunities. Yeah, he, he, he does. Uh, I don't want to say pass the stats, but he's able to fill. He can do a little bit of everything, but... Um, there was actually a survey in 2012. Actually, there was a survey, it's an annual survey, 2012, that uh, the, all the GMs selected Kobe um, to have the ball in his hand when it's clutch time uh, for 10 years straight. So from 2002 to 2012, all the GMs picked Kobe Bryant to have the, his hand, the ball in his hand in clutch time. So I think that really says a lot. It does say a lot about Kobe, but I don't know if you put him on that Cavaliers team that LeBron got swept in the finals. I don't I don't think they make it very far in the playoffs. And with LeBron, you know, it's just when I look back at it, 
he he really can carry a team, and it's not like it's I don't I don't know how to it's sort of a surrounding cast thing, but I'm not going to take from Kobe and his five rings. I mean, Ori has seven, so I don't really look at the rings as much as a, uh, a bunch of NBA players really do. Even Ori said that LeBron doesn't need to get any more rings to be talked with Jordan. The whole point it comes down to me is I don't, there's so many better conversations to have in the NBA, like Duncan versus Elijah Wan. And this, this one just seems out of sorts to me. I'd rather discuss Kobe versus MJ or LeBron versus like Magic Johnson because they're more of an equal match. And we always get stuck in this thing because I, I don't even think it's that big of a different call. I, I, I just think LeBron can do more as a player, and that's not Kobe's fault. Kobe really succeeds in his specialty. But for LeBron, he can do more for me. That's why I'm picking him. That's why I would compare him to Magic Johnson. Yeah, I, I like that comparison to Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was, it was oversized for the point guard, but he was still able to do everything. Um, and I would love to talk about Elijah on Duncan. I think that would be an interesting talk for sure because I think Duncan should be really uh, high up there um, on the all-time grades. Yeah, I still think Elijah but, one's better, so we'll have to do that one later too. Awesome. <laughs> that sounds great. But um, there's one story I want to tell you real quick. But uh, Jay Williams, the former cast player, had an interview with uh, Gold Cast on Facebook on August 2nd. He did a story of, about how Kobe – outworked him. He purposely outworked him and he went up to him after the game, after dropping 40. He said, why were you in the gym for so long? Even after I got, I was done. He's like, I wanted to make sure you know that I'm willing to work harder than you in every step of the way. And that shows like that Mamba mentality of, I'm going to be better than you no matter what. I'm going to show it to you. Yeah, he's got a great mentality, but I still like LeBron on the court the whole game. I mean, I would love, let's just play them together, but I- I'm taking LeBron the whole game. So, and you know, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a chucker, so I love the guys that look for assists and get rebounds for me. You know, just give me the rock back, let me shoot it, and then get it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you actually made me lose my train of thought. But it's a, it's a, I think it's a tragedy of basketball, the sport that we didn't get the LeBron Kobe final. Because oh, that would have been, that might have sealed that whole, this whole conversation. You know, but then we couldn't have fun on the air. All right, well, we're we're up on time here, so thanks for coming on, Ben. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Of course, anytime. All right, that's all the time we have this week. Thanks for listening in. Make sure to find us on Facebook.com slash Moose's Mulligans and Twitter.com slash Moose's Mulligans and on Periscope at Moose's Mulligans. We'll be doing that this week. Thanks for joining in, and until next week, fairways and greens, no mulligans. I'm your host, Alex Dryzak, and have a good week. Oh.